Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com. Hello, and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we're looking at US-Turkey relations, which have plunged to a new low following America's decision to suspend issuing any non-immigrant visas to Turks. It may sound like a minor dispute, but this is actually an unprecedented rift between NATO allies and strategic partners in the Middle East. Joining me to discuss the situation are here in the studio Dan Dombey, who served as an FT correspondent in both Washington and Istanbul. And on the line from Turkey is our correspondent there, Mehul Srivastava. Dan, first of all, how did we get here? How has it got to this? Well, this may seem very sudden and dramatic, and indeed it is, but it's also a crisis that's been a long time brewing. Turkey obviously is a country that dates its alliance with the US back to the Korean War and before when the Turks fought in the trenches with the Americans. And it was an alliance that was really very much rooted in Cold War politics. But as the Cold War has ended, and as the old Cold War political order in Turkey has ended, which basically in many ways paved the way to the success of the Islamist-rooted movement that Recep Tayyip Erdogan has led, so the rift between Washington and Ankara has grown over the years. And there are many, many proximate causes of this, and we'll talk about those. But Mr Erdogan really has a view of Turkey's direction as much more of an independent country than the country that was yoked to the West, as many people in his movement see it, of the past. We've seen, however, that this has reached a level of drama that we haven't seen before, because, of course, even though the US embassy says we're still processing visas for Turks, just not in Turkey, and therefore this is not a, quote, visa ban on Turks, To the innocent eye, this looks very similar to the kind of restrictions that they're doing for the likes of Syria and North Korea. And to talk of a NATO ally in that situation of ordinary Turks unable to go to the US, of Turkish airlines offering changes or refunds to people flying from one country to another, with all the strategic importance of Turkey as a country with a major US military base in Injilic, just is remarkably dramatic. So, Mehul, why have they actually done it? Dan's given us the historic background, the big forces that have led to this rift, but what's the actual issue? Well, I mean, the breaking point was last week when the Turkish authorities here arrested an employee, a Turkish employee of the U.S. consulate here in Istanbul. And according to the U.S. diplomats handling the case, it was a surprise arrest. And till date, they have yet to be able to figure out what he was arrested for, except when they read the pro-government newspapers, which have been carrying leaked accounts from an indictment that the U.S. embassy employee himself doesn't seem to be able to access. And the allegations are at the core of a problem between Turkey and the United States right now. They allege that this U.S. embassy employee was somehow tied to Fethullah Gulen, a cleric who's lived in Pennsylvania since the late 1990s, and Turkey blames for a failed coup last year. So all these historical forces that Daniel was talking about built up to a breaking point almost right after the failed coup last year in July, with the Turkish government demanding that Mr. Gulen be immediately extradited, and Americans saying it's a slow and complicated legal procedure, send us the evidence our courts will look at it. 
that played very well into the hands of Mr. Erdogan's kind of nationalist and Islamist political ideology that Turkey doesn't have any good friends in the West. And as that problem has accumulated, as many as a dozen American citizens are sitting in jail in Turkey right now accused of ties to Mr. Gulen. When the American embassy canceled new visa applications starting Sunday, the reaction from the Turkish government was quite furious and continues to be furious. President Erdogan blamed the U.S. ambassador here, John Bass, for acting unilaterally to put American-Turkey relationships at their lowest point in at least 15, 20 years. But is there a suggestion that perhaps President Erdogan's miscalculated, that he's hinted that he was almost thinking of this as like a hostage situation, where if there were Americans in custody, he might be able to swap them for Gulen. Do you think that was in his mind? It certainly has been on people's minds over here. Late in August, President Erdogan signed a decree that now makes it legal for him to trade foreign citizens held in prisons in Turkey for Turkish citizens held abroad. At that time, Iranian Turkish gold trader Reza Zarab was about to begin trial in Manhattan in the next couple of weeks. And people were looking at the idea that perhaps there could be some kind of an exchange. But it was never quite clear what this was meant for. But two weeks ago, while speaking to a bunch of police officers in Ankara, Mr. Erdogan almost confirmed the suspicions. He suggested a swap between two pastors, one being Fethullah Gulen living in Pennsylvania, and the pastor, two being an American Presbyterian minister called Andrew Brunson, who's been in jail in Turkey for almost a year on suspicion of ties that have not been made clear and a trial that has yet to begin. I think that's what pushed Americans into realizing that either their employees or their citizens here, if not hostages, were definitely political bargaining chips. And Dan, I mean, how big a blow to Turkey is this? You mentioned the North Korean parallels. I mean, obviously, it's not got that extreme. But obviously, Turkey is a modern economy deeply integrated into the West. Many Turks must be dumbfounded by the idea they can't get to the States. Yes, it's a extraordinary reaction by the US. And of course, as Mehul said, the Turks have actually replicated that decision themselves. It obviously means a considerable concern to many people who have plans to leave Turkey for the US in particular. And of course, there are many Turks who are eager to get out of Turkey because they're concerned about the direction of politics under Mr. Erdogan. Many people who teach in the US. And so obviously, there may be people who, even though they're not applying for resident visas, would like to get out of the country all the same. It's clearly also a factor, although the markets have been relatively sanguine in terms of the economic calculations. I mean, Turkey is a country that for some time has really depended on foreign capital flows to make up its own poor savings rate. And that's been what's keeping the Turkish economy going for the best part of a decade. So if there was the sense that this is not just a passing problem, then one really could expect it to bear on the country's economic perspectives, given that it just, like the UK, depends on the kindness of strangers but seems to be going its own way all the same. And Mehul, what about the strategic angle to this? I mean, how far can the two sides push it, given that America arguably needs Turkey, as Dan mentioned earlier, there's the Inchilic Air Base, but Turkey is still a member of NATO. Can it afford this rift with the US? I mean, the background here is that in the last year or two, the Turkish relationship within NATO and the Turkish relationship with Americans has suffered, but continued to be functional, at least in the background. But in the last two weeks, I think that has ground to a halt. That's not something either country wants and definitely not something the NATO alliance wants. But Turkey's drift away from America and away from its Western moorings has become far more pronounced as the war in Syria has gone in a direction where they've had to make strategic alliances with the Russians, with the Iranians, to achieve their own goals there. Um, they're planning to buy S-400 missiles from the Russians rather than integrating a different missile system in with its NATO allies. The question is not 
whether this will completely unhinge Turkey from its western moorings, but whether or not this will last a few weeks or will it last a few months. And the only answer to that is to see who's going to blink first. Strategically, the Americans have done this at a very interesting time. The U.S. ambassador is on his way out, and that's essentially what the Turkish government wants, which is for him to leave anyways. He's going on to Kabul. And when he leaves, maybe temperatures can quieten down, but somebody needs to blink first. And we all know Mr. Erdogan doesn't blink, at least not very quickly. And Mr. Trump not particularly famous for blinking either, Dan. So it sounds like you have two very headstrong leaders now in a confrontation. Yes, this is a very interesting relationship. Bear in mind that uh, it's a little bit Groundhog Day-ish because the Erdogan government was fed up to the back teeth with President Barack Obama. Despite Mr. Trump's incendiary comments about Muslims in the past, it welcomed his arrival. It saw him as someone who it was really the kind of leader that Erdogan could do business with. There was a little bit of something that looked a bit like a love-in at the UN General Assembly meeting in New York just last month when they talked about how great a friendship they have for each other. So this is a mercurial relationship and Mr Erdogan's relationships sometimes go from A to B back to A again. Not in no time, but look at how his relationship with Mr Putin has gone from friend to foe back to friend again. Nevertheless, this is, as we said at the beginning, an unprecedented set of tensions between Turkey and the US. And above the incendiary part of the personalities here, there is a broader sense of how Turkey is now, to be absolutely honest, more at odds with its Western allies than it perhaps has ever been since the setup of the Marshall Plan some 60 years ago. This isn't just the US. This is Angela Merkel planning to go to the EU summit next week and talk about what she talked about on the campaign trail about taking the two to three billion euros, I can't remember the exact figure, of pre-accession funding that the EU gives Turkey away. And this, after all, is Angela Merkel, the champion of getting on with Turkey to keep the refugee crisis under wraps. So there is a sense of strain between Turkey and its traditional allies in Western Europe and the US, and that is clearly taking us into uncharted territory. So Mehul, just to finish, I mean, how do we place this? Because as Dan mentioned, President Erdogan does have a tendency to form very warm relationships with other leaders and then for there to be blow-ups. It happened with Assad, it happened with Putin, it happened to some extent with the Israelis. Is this just what happens when Erdogan's in charge, or is there a bigger forces at play that we should be thinking about? I mean, I think that there's a larger question for the Turkish bureaucracy and for the Turkish government. When they look east, there are convenient alliances to be had, but immediately after that, there's chaos. You see how they've been betrayed in the words that they use by the KRG with the independence referendum, the unreliability of a partnership with Russia, the kind of unpredictableness of their Middle Eastern allies, especially in the Gulf countries, you know, choosing the Qataris over the Saudis, trying to figure out how to work with the Iranians. But when they look towards the West, it may be stable, but it doesn't fit in with the ideology and with the way in which Mr. Erdogan sees Turkey's place in the world. They really are stuck between these two opposing ideas, and it's not quite clear which will win. And the answer appears to be, eventually, which is going to be more economically viable. And in the end, the Turkish economy is so deeply integrated with the West, what, 50-55% of its trade is with European Union partners. It seems very difficult to imagine that they'll continue this brinksmanship to the point of a complete break. You know, Dan was using the word unprecedented. I was speaking yesterday to one of the previous American ambassador of Turkey, and he used the same phrase. Put it this way, the Americans and the Russians are really angry with each other right now, and even Russians are able to get visas to go to the U.S. This is as close to a breaking point as you've ever seen, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Okay, well, we'll watch developments closely, but for now... Thank you very much indeed to Dan here in the studio in London, to Mehul in Istanbul. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. 
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.